title of my message is Choose This Day Whom You Will Serve. Choice. Man, every day we have lots of choices. Every day we have lots of choices. And in the next couple of weeks, these young people that were standing up here are going to be graduating. We hope. Right? Everybody's going to get a diploma. Everybody's going to graduate. And when we graduate, that, that simply means uh, that they're going to receive some sort of recognition, in this case a diploma, for accomplishing a goal, for accomplishing their education up to this particular point in their lives. And we obviously want to congratulate them for all their hard work. But I also want to congratulate the parents and all of the other family members or friends who have really deposited into these young people's lives. Uh, sometimes when we're that age, at least for me, I wasn't always the most appreciative. And sometimes it was simply because I didn't even really understand until I became a parent what it really takes. The sacrifices that you have made for these young people to reach this point in their lives and to really launch them off into what the Lord has for them in the future. Sacrifices of time, financial sacrifices, the love that you've deposited into them that sometimes wasn't exactly returned the way you would have liked. It's taken a lot of work from a lot of people for these young adults to get to this point in their lives. So graduation, a completion of something. But have you ever thought about why they call the ceremony where they get their diplomas and graduate is called commencement? We refer to the event as graduation, but the ceremony is called commencement. What does it mean, that word commencement? Well, it's really a deep, deep meaning. Those who have begun to commence. You ever get that? Okay. To commence, what does commence mean? It means to start, to begin. So when we have this graduation, we celebrate these young people's graduation, their completion, their diplomas, then we may attend the commencement ceremony, and the commencing is a launching into something new, a launching into something different. It's a new beginning for each one of these young people. What has ended? Well, their high school career, basically, is coming to a close. It's coming to completion. What's beginning? Well, some, you heard, further schooling. It could be entering into the workplace in a more, more full-time manner. It could be many, many different things. But it's a new beginning, a new start. The security of childhood, in a sense, where the, for the young people that are graduating, you know, you may not have liked some of the confinement that you felt growing up in your home. And golly, there were even some rules, right? Rules to keep us safe, to protect us. Rules that were established because of love. None of our parents are perfect. I was. But <laughs> I wasn't even close. But the rules, the things that they tried to, to, to build a wall around you to a degree was a wall of protection a wall that was really a, a labor of love. And a lot of that is beginning to change. And what's coming is, you know, adulthood. Legally, adulthood, but really the responsibilities of adulthood. You know, with greater freedom, there is much greater risk because that support network isn't going to be quite as close as it has been up to this point. Great freedom, 
great risk, greater opportunity. You're going to really get to expand your wings. And a lot of new, new things are going to present themselves. Greater opportunity. But with greater opportunity becomes greater responsibility. Lots of things that are going to come your way. Opportunities, blessings, challenges. How will you respond? How do we all respond to the challenges and to the blessings? And actually, probably a better way of phrasing that question is, how should we respond to the challenges and the blessings that come our way? I want to look at a Bible personality for a few moments, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts that I hope encourage all of us in our walk with the Lord, especially our graduates. There's a man in the Bible named Joshua. Matter of fact, there's a book of the Bible about Joshua. Joshua was an understudy of Moses. Now, you may not all be as familiar with Joshua, but most of us have heard about Moses. At the very least, we've maybe watched some movies on TV around Easter time about Moses. But Moses was the man who God chose to use to set his people free from 400 plus years of bondage in Egypt, and he was going to take them to the promised land. And we can look at different places in Scripture, and in Numbers it tells us that Joshua was an aide or an assistant of Moses from his youth. Joshua traveled with Moses as, 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 as when he went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. It was Joshua that said to Moses when they were coming down the mountain, he says, boy, listen, what do you hear? People were partying. He was with Moses and saw the people abandon God so many times, saw him mess up so many times. He was with Moses through the 40 years of wandering in the desert. He was with Moses when the parting of the Red Sea took place. He was there. He saw all this. He was experiencing all this with Moses as his understudy, being mentored, being prepared for what God had in his life. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that were sent into the promised land. He was one of only two that came back and said, there's a lot of big enemies in there, but our God's bigger. He was filled with faith. Joshua was being called to do something that he'd never done before. There was a time when God had Moses lay his hands, just like we did, lay his hands on Joshua to do that in front of the people so that they would see that there was an authority being given to Joshua for the plans and purposes that God had for his life. And near the end of Moses' life, God spoke and told Moses and told Joshua, you're going to be the one. Moses, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. Joshua, you're going to take him in. You're going to lead him. In a sense, there was a graduation taking place. All of those years of being Moses' understudy, all of his years of preparation, all of his years of witnessing all of these things that took place in Moses and his relationship with God and with, with the people continually turning away from God and having to be brought back to God, showing him a little bit of what he was getting into as the new leader that was going to take them into the promised land. 
God had a plan and a destiny for Joshua's life. And that's not unique. Those of you that were standing up here and every single one of us in this building, God has a plan for our lives. He has a destiny for our lives. He didn't create you because he had nothing else to do. He created you with a purpose and a destiny and he will allow us and help us to fulfill that destiny as we cooperate with him. And Joshua had a destiny. He was graduating. Moses was dead. Joshua, you are now the guy. So he had a graduation, but there was also a commencement. It was get up, take all these millions of people, and lead them into the promised land. Get up, cross the river. He was being told to go in and take land that he'd never taken before. He had seen it because he was one of the 12 spies. All these young people, and for all of us, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. These young people, if you're like I was at your age, you're really excited and a little scared, a little nervous. You're going to be doing some different things, strange places, meeting a whole bunch of new people. Most of your closest friends aren't going with you. You're going to be starting out all different, all new. And that's what Joshua was doing. He had never done this. He's going into a land that he'd, he'd not taken before. And it's interesting, in Joshua chapter 1, and I'm not going to read all of it, but just to give us a quick overview, God's calling him like he's calling all of us. And this Bible is absolutely full of promises for every one of us. And God spoke clearly to Joshua. Listen to what he told Joshua. In verse 5 he says, No man will ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. All right, I'm ready. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you and I will not forsake you. Cal, it's just getting better. Chomping at the bit. But then in verses 6 through 9, he follows all of that by three different times he says, be strong and courageous. Wait a minute, God, you're going to go with me. No one's going to stand against me. No one's, I can't fail. Be strong and courageous. Then he says, be very strong and courageous. And then a third time he says, be strong and courageous. Why, if God has spoken to him, told him he can't fail, why is he telling him to be strong and courageous? Because no matter what, when God calls you, it's going to have challenges. This was prayed and talked about by so many here. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be times when you are ready to quit and give up. And he's warning him, be strong and courageous. And then he gives him some very practical advice. And remember, this is not just your average Joe speaking to Joshua. Who's speaking to Joshua? God. This is God speaking to Joshua. You know, he didn't have the Bible to look at and look at all the promises. Man, we've got promises galore in this Bible for us. But God is speaking to him. And some of us would say, God, that'd be great if God would just speak to me audibly. I'd get it too. Nah, probably we wouldn't. We'd somehow rationalize it away. But God spoke to him and he gave him practical advice. He first out, he says in verse 7, do what is right. Be strong and courageous and do what is right. 
How do I know what's right? Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it looks good, and I, I go that way, and oh boy, was that wrong. He says, do what is right, and then he goes further and says, keep the Word of God in you. You keep the Word of God in you so that you know what to do to prosper and to be successful. Do what is right. Keep the Word of God in you. He says, don't fear. That spirit of fear is not from God. Trust Him. Do not fear and do not become discouraged. There are setbacks. We all have them. We can have them almost every day. And it's so easy to fall into that discouragement. But we forget the promise that Joshua had is for us too. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God the Spirit living in us who will never leave us nor forsake us. Ever. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And yet he still says, be strong and courageous. And at the very end of his career, as Joshua led the people, at the very end of the book of Joshua in chapter 24, I believe it's in verse 15, he's talking to the people. Because like Israel had done under Moses, they did similar things under Joshua. They got off track, got brought back on track. Got off. And finally Joshua's telling him, he says, you know what, it's time for you to decide something here. Are you going to chase the God of your fathers who followed and chased those idols? Remember when they made the golden calf, for goodness sakes? Or are you going to follow the gods of the Amalekites or the Amorites or any of the other ites? And for us that would be, or are you going to follow the gods of the world? He says it's time to make a choice. And he says to them, who? Choose today whom you will follow. And he says, even though it's the end of his life, it's like he's saying, I made this choice a long time ago. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. I think we can learn an awful lot about the way we should be living our lives as Christians from Joshua. There was a long time of training, and some of us, for all of us really, our training continues till the day we go home to be with the Lord. But there are graduations along the way. But there are new beginnings, new commencements along the way also. We are to go as Joshua was to go. And the only way that we can do this is if we trust and put our faith in the Lord and take the same advice that God gave Joshua. I'm going to rephrase it and give you three different things that I hope encourage each one of us. And it was really interesting to hear how they were mentioned as people shared what the Lord had been putting on the elders' hearts for this group of people. The first one is this, and this is for every single one of us. First one is this, own your own faith. Own your own faith. What do I mean? Know what you believe and why you believe it. Take responsibility for your own faith. I don't believe that this group of young people need to hear this, but sometimes people try to attach themselves to the coattails of somebody else's faith. Children attaching their faith to their parents. Or all of us attaching our faith to our spouse or something or someone else. Own your own faith. However strong your faith is, young people, 
old people, it's going to get tested. It's going to get tested. Some of these young people are already experiencing some serious testing. Nowadays, so many of them have been going to college classes already as seniors in high school. And sitting under professors who are openly hostile to their faith. Challenging their faith in front of their peers. It's going to happen. If you and I stand for our faith, you are going to get openly challenged in the workplace. You're going to get challenged amongst your peers. You're going to continually get tested. Own your own faith. Own your own faith. You might have questions about your Christianity. Now's the time to settle those questions. For all of us. You may have questions. Do I really, really believe what I've been taught? Is there really a Creator God? He created everything with a word. Is the Bible trustworthy? Can I really, really put my trust and confidence in this old, old book written so long ago by a bunch of people that lived centuries ago? They don't have any idea about modern America, for goodness sakes. Do I really trust it? Can I trust it? Did Jesus really walk the earth and was He really God in the flesh? Did He really die on a cross? Did He really take my sins? Am I truly forgiven? Was He really raised from the dead? Is He really in heaven? Does the Holy Spirit really live in me? You know, hopefully a lot of those questions or all of those questions are settled in our hearts, but I don't think they always are. But my point is this. There is all kinds of support and evidence to answer every single one of those questions. Every single one of us in here are living by faith in something. A lot of us are living by faith in ourselves. You're doomed. We put our faith in something all the time. I, I graduated with you know, chemistry, biology, physics, junk stuff. No. Don't be discouraged. It's really fun. But I'm finding myself standing there teaching about something that wasn't living, becoming alive, and climbing out, climbing out of the primordial swamp, and all of a sudden one day deciding to get out of the water and getting lungs and legs, and then another day it decided to walk upright, and then there was all my relatives, the monkeys, and, and then one day they decided not to be monkeys anymore. I was teaching that. Some of you in here probably believe that. You're wrong. There is tons of evidence if you will look. There is scientific evidence. There is historical evidence. Can you trust the Bible? There is no book on planet Earth that has more documented manuscript evidence than this book. But we will believe some history book. We will believe something Aristotle wrote. Nobody questions it. The number of manuscripts of this book make those books look like comic books. I'm not saying they aren't true, but the evidence is overwhelming. The evidence of creation. I'd love to debate that. As soon as you tell me something came from nothing and something in chaos went to order, uh, I'm ready to debate. I can come up with mountains of evidence and you will come up with zero. Show me one place where something in chaos. You've all probably heard, give me all the parts of an airplane, let's pile them here and watch it become an airplane. 
But if you get me an airplane and we set it somewhere and we watch long enough, it will all fall apart and rust and become chaos. Show me one species of animal that is changing into another species of animal. There is none. And when we do try to crossbreed species of animals, guess what? What we get is worse than either of the other species. And I could go on and on. This is kind of a favorite topic of mine. Young people, if you have questions, talk to me. I'd love to tell you how foolish I was. And I don't pretend to have all the answers, but there's evidence. And you can't prove anything beyond a shadow of a doubt. Somewhere along the line, faith has to take place. But I would ask you to just simply use what we use in our legal court system. You look at the evidence, and you decide what the preponderance of the evidence shows and then make your decision. But it is so frustrating and so dangerous to take the opinion of other people who have never looked at the Bible, they've never done any research, they've never done their homework, but boy, are they certain that God doesn't exist. You guys are believing in a fairy tale. And if we don't want to believe all that, I want to share with you something that is worth looking at. It's kind of subjective. But look at the personal testimony of people's lives that have been changed by an all-powerful God. Own your own faith. Christianity and the Bible can withstand the severest scrutiny of any academic out there. The question really becomes not are these things or do these things. The question really comes down to this. Do you want to live your life on the basis of Jesus Christ? That's the question. We call ourselves Christians, which means we are followers of Christ. We are disciples of Christ. He is our model. He is our goal. The Holy Spirit is given to all who accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior to begin the transformation project more and more into the image of Christ. We need to choose. Do we want to live our life to look like Jesus? The deception's amazing that's out there. You know, we can all be like Eve. You know, Eve in the garden was tempted. In Genesis chapter 3, she's talking to the snake. That should have been a clue something's wrong. But she's talking to the snake, and, and the snake says, For God knows that when you eat, of this fruit, of the tree, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. The world is going to tell you there's something better. The world is going to try to convince you, and some of us are maybe already there, that God is some sort of cosmic killjoy wanting to ruin your life and ruin all the fun. That's basically the lie that he was told Eve, telling Eve. God really told you that? The reason he told you that is if you eat of the fruit, you're going to be wise like him. He's holding something good back from you. And the woman looks at it, Eve looks at it, and she says, wow, it looks good. It looks really pleasing to the eye. Looks like it'd be desirable to eat, but it tastes great. She listened to all of these senses and didn't trust God. And she ate of the fruit. And in the story in the Bible, we realize almost immediately, what's the next thing it says? They looked at each other and looked at themselves and says, whoa, we're naked. 
and shame came upon them instantly. And they hid themselves from the, floor, from the Lord. The power of sin. And it's a great picture for us of the emptiness of what the world is going to try to use to allure you to abandon what you know to be true from the Word of God and meet something in your life, this some pleasure in your life, some desire of the flesh that offers instant gratification. The lie that God is trying to keep you from good things in life. If you trust the Lord, do you trust Him enough to believe what He says in the Word? As we shared this morning, He loves you, He loves you, He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for every single one of us in here. Do we trust Him that He knows what's best no matter what? Can we put our confidence in Him? Psalm 16:11 says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with the joy in Your presence and with eternal pleasures at Your right hand. Do you trust Him for that? Own your faith. Even as you own your faith, the second point is this, you can't do it alone. Christianity is designed by God to be carried out and lived out in community. Now, some of these young people have already asked me, they've talked to me about, do you know if there's a church this, in this community, this city, this community, do you know of any good churches? We're online and we're, we're looking at churches. You know, I would encourage every single one of our young people, wherever you go, make church life an important part of what you're going to do. Some of you that are going on to college campuses, there are, are ministries on those campuses where you can have community in your faith. Make friends, like-minded friends, friends who will build you up. You know, relational evangelism is great, right? I was used to accuse my daughter. You're just trying to get that guy's attention. And she says, Dad, how else can I share with him? I'm not sure that was her motive. But there is a place for relational evangelism. But you need to be building relationships that will strengthen your faith. Most of us, if we get saved later in life, we're usually getting plucked out of a situation where most of our friends aren't living a Christian life. And then we're faced with a really hard reality. What do I do? They're all my friends. But we don't abandon people. We don't leave people, but we need people around us that will strengthen our faith also. We sometimes have to find new friends. Sometimes the easiest friendships aren't the best friendships. Best friends are the ones that tell you the hard things. And hopefully with love. When you go to college, you're not going to know too many people. Wherever you go in the workforce, there may be a lot of strangers. Choose your friends carefully. It's important. It makes a difference. In Psalm, Proverbs 30, verse 21 and 20, it says, He who walks with the wise will grow wise, but can, companion of fools will suffer much. Misfortune pursues the sinner, but prosperity is the reward of the righteous. Your friends matter. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Choose your friends carefully. You can't do it alone. In our culture, are you familiar with the term hedonism? We live in a culture of hedonism and materialism. Materialism we get. If I guess just get more stuff, I'll be happier. How much more? I don't know, but more. Always more. Hedonism. Hedonism is defined this way. It's defined as 
the pursuit of pleasure and sensual self-indulgence. It's an ethical theory that pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of human life. We just kind of can redefine it easier. If it feels good, do it. We are in a hedonistic society. We are sending these young people into a hedonistic culture. And there's parts of it that look appealing to our senses, our old nature, that flesh that we live in. And you know what? It's not all bad that it's out there. You know why? Because if you choose to live a life based on the life of Jesus, you will stand out. Your faith, your lifestyle will be magnified because of the culture around us. The world is looking for things to fulfill and make them feel good, and it's all empty promises. It's all empty promises. They're looking for drugs or alcohol or sex or other people or things to satisfy this great need in their life. And the bad news is it's never going to work. The good news is there's an answer. It's Jesus. And you guys, all of us, should have that opportunity to share with people. And the third point is take ownership of your choices. You know, it's sometimes easy to make excuses, to point blame. Children do it all the time. Lots of adults that act like children do it all the time. We need to take responsibility for our choices. These young people are going to get new choices, different choices than they've had before. And they're going to be able to, are going to, be able to or be forced to oftentimes make them on their own or what appears to be on their own. Joshua had the God of the heavens speak to him. That'd be good. But in my experience anyway, I don't hear the audible voice of God usually. Well, maybe never. Not often. But we have some things that Joshua didn't. In James 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to them. We run into trouble. We have prayer. You know, sometimes, in, in my job, I guess it's kind of natural, but people will come to me and say, I don't know. I'm afraid I'm going to miss the will of God. I want to encourage you with this truth. God cares way more about His will for you than you do. He cares way more about His will being accomplished in your life and my life than we do. He wants us to succeed. He loves us. He has a plan and purpose that He wants. Pray. Ask Him. He will answer. He will tell us. And in Proverbs 15, 21, 22, we have something else that's a great blessing. Seek godly counsel. Folly delights a man who lacks judgment. Foolishness delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course or stays on track. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. With this caveat, so many people come to me with issues and the people they go to for advice have already been through those issues and failed the test. Go to people who have walked through the times, the difficult choices. They've walked through the fire, but they've came out the other side in victory. 
the last person you should go to about your marriage is people that have been divorced. With some exceptions. If people have not came out in victory, don't go ask them what you should do, for goodness sakes. Young people, that's why it's important. Your parents love you. People in this church love you. When you're running into issues, seek godly counsel. And don't be shy about asking anybody, including me, if I give you advice, sport that with Scripture, would you please? Challenge us to support it with what God says. God wants you and I to to follow Him and succeed way more than we do ourselves. And I want to close with a Scripture that contains uh, my life verse, really. It's one of the first verses that I really grabbed a hold of in my life many years ago. It's in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. And for, for me, it was verse 14 in particular. But it says this. I'll give you a little context quickly. Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi. And he's kind of went through his resume saying, this is who I am. This is my training. This is my education. He goes through all of this stuff. He tells them of the revelation he's received from God and what he believes. And he's telling them all this. And then he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. He rescued you and me for a purpose. Grab a hold of Him and you'll discover the purpose. Brothers, verse 13, I'm going to read it. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, notice the focus. We are so easily distracted. We're almost all becoming ADD. We're so easily distracted. Instant gratification. Our attention span of a gnat. We just cannot focus. He's saying this thing, this one thing I do, focus. We would all do well. Focus. Forgetting what is behind. We're all going to fail. We're all going to make mistakes. Let's just forget what's behind and go forward. This one thing I do, straining towards what is ahead, is ahead. It's hard work. I press on towards the goal of the prize for which God has called us heavenward. Press on. Grab a hold of it. Young people have a destiny. Us old people have a destiny. And as long as we're still alive, we've not reached the ultimate goal of the destiny God has for us. Don't quit. Don't give up. Press on. Stay focused. The world will distract us. Stay focused on the Lord. The Holy Spirit living in us will guide us and direct us. All of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I love that. You think you disagree, don't worry. He'll straighten you out. And then it says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Live up to what we know. Live up to what God's already revealed to us. Live up to what He showed us. Don't go backwards. Go forwards. In Joshua 1.9, He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Choose this day whom you will serve. 
It's a choice. So the graduates, congratulations. We love you. We are going, I am going to miss you. We are going to miss you. We're counting on you coming back and visiting us often. When you get homesick, come on back. We want to pray a blessing on you. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you so much for your love for each one of us. I thank you for each one of us here, God, that we are not here by accident. Our life is not pointless. We have value in your eyes. We have been created for a purpose. There is a destiny awaiting each one of us. God, I pray that you would give us the single-minded focus that, that Paul writes about, that we will look at this one thing and we will press on. We will press on to the goal of that high call that you have on each one of our lives. I pray protection over these young people as they go into these different places, these different locations. God, I pray you would bring alongside of them people that can mentor them and they can speak into their lives. And I pray you would bring to each one of them people that they can mentor and that they can speak into the lives of others. God, I pray that that would be the case for each one of us here, that we would not take the calling on our lives casually. Lord, I pray that the love of Jesus in us would overflow from us and be an attraction to the world. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.